very important to establish the idea of human freedom. And all our political systems are built on various adumbrations of this concept of freedom. We're taking over the airwaves, St. Louis. So step out of your safe space and polish up that foil hat. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. It's Hoosier Sophisticate with Craig Kohler and Stephen Elgin. Your deprogramming begins now. Man cannot fall and be redeemed without the dimension of human freedom. Only the free can be guilty because only the free are responsible for what they do. Craig. Hi, Seth. No, Steve. He's around here Steve somewhere. Steve quit the... Oh, I was going to do a thing. <laughs> I was going to do a thing. You ruined it. He, yeah, he's somewhere. I don't know. He gets lost. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Hoosier Sophisticate here on WGNU 920 AM. You can stream us live on WGNU920AM.com. You can catch past episodes at HoosierSophisticate.com. Find us on your favorite podcast app. Follow along. Subscribe uh, the YouTube channel. Go to Mycelial Media. Make sure you like and subscribe there to keep up to date with all the videos we're doing when we're not here on Friday nights. Seth, we got a uh, a pretty fun show tonight. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think you got be... something in store for Steve and I, don't you? Uh, yeah, the seven o'clock hour, we are going to play a little spicy hot trivia, and I got some salsa from our friends over at Saucy One on Bates uh, Street. I got a live read somewhere around here for him. Cool. Uh, but I told him I'd give him a shout out. We're going to play a little salsa, uh, spicy hot trivia. So, spicy uh, hot trivia. All the categories are going to be St. Louis related questions. You got them here. And, uh, well, oh, hey, hey everybody, a, a round of applause here. for Steve guys, for showing up. We're not. We got, uh, it's just, uh, it's a skeleton crew here tonight. We got Seth, me, and Steve, and of course, we got Integrity in the building. Integrity in the building. Oh, but he got that one. <laughs> We've got uh, a friend of ours we met at the Missouri Medical Cannabis Conference, Dr. Kasara Andre. She is a uh, veterinarian, uh, a veteran. A veteran veterinarian, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, treating animals. With, classic uh, mix-up. Uh, classic mix-up. Project for 22. I thought I was getting in to support veterinarians. <laughs> I thought so, too. <laughs> it was about veterans. Turned out it was veterans. <laughs> I know, Have you ever had to tell someone their cat's not going to make it? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> she's going to call in around uh, in the next 10 minutes or so, and uh, we're going to ask some questions. We asked you guys to follow along. Um, if you have any questions about possibly treating your pets uh, with cannabis. It's a big deal. Um, She's got the answers. She was really captivating at the conference, uh, and so it was cool. it was one of those things where I saw her on the docket, and I'm like, eh, I don't really. I, it was I think you know we just got a cat. I hate animals. Man. I'm not you know what. what you what have a three legged cat. She, when she came when she came out, man, whew, she had her stuff Fire. together. Her presentation was remarkable, and I came away a better person, definitely more knowledgeable about uh, how cannabis can be used. Ooh, as I wouldn't go as far as saying you're a better person, but uh, you know. Close. <laughs> So anyway, we're going to have her join us. Uh, we got St- uh, Seth's uh, hot trivia game. Uh, we want to remind you guys that this entire presentation is brought to you by the Missouri Medical Cannabis Company, MomedCanco.com. You can enter HOSO at checkout and get 15% off your entire order site-wide. Yeah. But they got a deal going right now. If Gobble. you're planning on buying two bottles of their CBD product, of their hemp product, uh, you can enter Gobble at checkout. And you're going to get a third bottle free. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, from our friends at Missouri Medical Cannabis Company. This first hour is brought to you by James Carlton State Farm. It is? Check out carltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800. He's the best insurance agent in the game. I Guys, the roads, guy. we got, had some, some weather yesterday. The Ooh. roads are getting slick. And even if you trust yourself to be the greatest driver out there, you can't be gambling with one no. of your most expensive investments – with other drivers on the road. Say you got a Tiguan and you want to do everything you can to keep that baby safe, okay? Except inspect the timing chain. Because <laughs> that's going to go bad anyway, no matter what you do. <laughs> All right, but James Carlton. He's going to make sure you're covered. He's going to make sure you're covered. And should the worst thing happen, he's going to make sure that you're taken care of and make it as easy a process as possible to make sure that your investment is properly secured. Steve, what's been going on this week, my friend? What a week! What a week! Oh my God! It's been a wild week. I've actually really been looking forward to uh, to talking to uh, Dr. Andre. Uh, we had some chats with her 
um, off the record at the uh, you know just you gonna put them the on the scenes. record? I mean, just behind the scenes. I tried to make it sound cool, um, but just uh, speaking with her, what a wealth of knowledge as far as. I remember some people who were against cannabis, or not against it, just kind of apathetic towards it. And um, a friend of a friend, their dog was dying. They're like, your dog doesn't have much time left. You can just leave him here. We'll put him down. Like one of those type of situations where like, you're, you're better off probably leaving him here. He doesn't have much time. Did they say that? Better <laughs> I don't know. If I don't they know. Do that. I'm hearing this fourth party story. <laughs> um, but anyway, she gave the dog some CBD, and she, could, she said she immediately uh, could tell a difference. In the dog's behavior, in the way it was eating, acting, uh, its anxiousness, a, a slew of problems had been solved by supplementing the dog's endocannabinoid system. Because you know as well as anybody, Craig, all mammals have an endocannabinoid system. Absolutely. Forget those reptile people, okay? None of those chimeras. Why are you looking at me? I don't know. Is it Alex Jones? We got one yeah, phone up there. We're not taking. Sakes. We don't. We're not taking calls from Alex tonight. He needs but to supplement his endocannabinoid system. I think no he is one it. of those lizards. No, do about it. I know. What better way to cover it up <laughs> than, than to speak out against it? It's Bill Hicks. We've had a. We've had a lot of. Um, We've had a lot of conversations. As a matter of fact, uh, a friend of the show, Mick Dickus, he's been in here with us. Uh, said oh, that uh, yeah. unprecedented for his little pup. Started to go into a seizure, I think, over last weekend. Popped the MoMed Canco NeuroPro Pet into the dog's mouth. Boom. Ended it. There's something to be said for this, guys. Uh, Kasara Andre, sure. her, her video that she showed at the conference, that little pup was just oh. dragging its legs. It was dragging yeah, its legs. Couldn't walk. We are definitely going to talk about it. It brought the house down. It did. It brought the it house really down. Did. And, well, to, to further my point from before, the friend of a friend is now an advocate for all things uh, cannabis because the CBD helped their dog so well that they're like, whoa, there's got to be something to it at this point. This is amazing. I'm calling them in. We just got go to the gobble again. Go to the gobble. So I did it. One more time, I want to remind you, go to momedcanco.com. You buy two bottles. You use the code gobble. You're going to get a third bottle for free. They make the entire presentation possible. Little man, Steve. (laughs) Thank you. We're just going to do that the rest of the show. I'm going to do You're the Man, Steve, again. If you have some questions, if you have some questions about your pet, uh, we had uh, somebody ask on the page, you know, what's a what's a good thing to treat if you're maybe an older dog has arthritis? Um, you know, we're going to we're going to ask her these questions. If you have any questions for Dr. Kassar Andre, please fire those into us. We'll make sure to ask her. Um, we got a lot of great feedback from our show last week with Daryl Bertrand. A lot of questions answered. Um, it looks like everybody's been having fun out at the MJ BizCon out in Las Vegas. Looks like there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on. A lot of our friends are out mm-hmm. there. And we're not. I know. I want to sound salty. I am. Those purple guys were out there. They're really, they, they're, mm, man, awesome. that purple machine. I just love being able to, since the dawn of time, and this is something we can kind of uh, talk about for just a minute, but how weird is it going to be that finding or getting cannabis legally in this state? You know, I've heard friends, <laughs> my friends would talk about how they had to struggle to get cannabis throughout their whole lives. You know, in Missouri, that's what you did. You're like, I had to call a guy and his guy's out and then this guy and this guy. I'm waiting hours. Remember, you were waiting hours and we've come from the, the days of swag and like middies and I have no clue beasters. what you're talking you about. You do. You do. No. You do. No. Don't lie. Your friends do. No, I remember those days. It's like, <laughs> hey, Pete said that Steve's going to call Todd in, around noon. Yeah. Day. And he's yeah. like, all right. Noon. Waiting I got, I got my $5. Yeah, I've got my I've got my five ones in my pocket. I think that's one of the uh, interesting things about uh, this becoming legal and there being a, a, a legal place for you to go and talk to uh, the people that are growing it, that are yeah. cultivating this. What kind of strains are going to treat different? Uh, you know, uh, is a sativa strain that's higher in THC? Hey, tip of the you iceberg, know, buddy. We have not even scratched the surface. Robbie Basil. Can, can we go into that for a minute? We can for following a quick, his we can for story. One quick second. Oh yeah. my God, Robbie Basil, friend of the show. Um, his daughter is suffering with seizures just around the clock they thought they had a good uh, uh, mixture of thc to cbd it turns out they they had the seizures under control for a while but with all the different terpenes and all the different cannabinoids they figured out oh, oh this next batch wasn't the same and it's not the same mix and now she's having more seizures around the clock and it's hard to get with these doctors um to find out what what's going to work because either they're like i don't know i don't know about the endocannabinoid system um i'm not sure about epidiolex i'm not sure about all this stuff so it's it's still a, a guessing game gray area that's why it's awesome to have 
doctors who are leading the charge. And we've got one online one, Steve. We're going to go to Dr. Kassara. Andre, Kassara, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Excited to chat with you guys. We're excited to have you. Don't lie to us, okay? <laughs> no one's excited to talk to us on this show, all right? How's Denver treating you? You in Denver right now? I am in Denver. It's beautiful. We've had some gorgeous weather. Yeah, awesome. We got the snow right now. It's we, we got a little snow yesterday, and then it was 50 degrees today and sunny, yeah, and I know. it was all it's gone. Ridiculous. So <laughs> that's how it works here in Missouri. Kassara, can you uh, – you're, you're, you're coming to us. We've had uh, – last week we had Daryl from Missouri Cannabis Consultants. He was at the conference a couple weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. that you spoke at. Give us a little – I'm sure you've spoken at a few events like this. What, what were your thoughts on the Missouri Medical Cannabis Conference – yeah, on the Missouri Medical Cannabis Conference, and what did you take away from all of that? Well, first of all, I just I was so privileged to be included because obviously everyone was um, talking about the amendments and um, propositions. Which congratulations to Missouri on getting Woo. getting that passed. That's um, we're so excited for all of you guys. Um, so I was just really honored to be included because a lot of people don't think about the veterinary side whenever we're trying to get some laws passed for human cannabis use. So one of the things that I took away from that was just interacting and networking with my human doctor colleagues, which I don't get to do a lot of times. Most of the time I stay in the veterinary world. So I had such a great time spending uh, the weekend with not only the veterans of the organization, but also the other doctors who were there. Just it was it was a fantastic event. They did a great job. Yeah, that was one. I mean, seeing the doctors be able to talk to some of the patients behind the scenes, too. And that video yeah. that video you showed of that little pup. What was his name again? Oh, Phoebe. Yes. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> seeing him get up and uh, start moving his back legs a little better and being a little bit uh, freer range of motion and less pain like that was powerful stuff. And I think that that affects people when yeah. if you're talking about their pets like these just balls of love. You know what I mean? Like, your dog's not judging you. I don't know. Some dogs judge. You know, those little ones are judges. You can tell us. They judge us. Um, But the big ones, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're great. So, uh, no, it was a really awesome It was an awesome experience. And you mentioned the veterans there. Now, uh, you you were commissioned when you are in veterinary school as an Army Veterinary Corps officer. Can you tell us a little bit, Cor? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, that that is correct. I uh, commissioned as a veterinarian for the Army, so in the Veterinary Corps while I was in school. Um, And then I served as an active duty officer for four years out of school and then did reserve for a while. And I'm not currently in the reserves anymore. I've retired my commission, but it was uh, definitely an experience that shaped all that I'm working on now. Working with working dogs is a huge passion of mine and that um, holistic medicine, acupuncture, massage is some, some really fun ways that we can treat some of their arthritis that they develop from working so hard all of their career. So I did that right out of school and then the first part of my career. Is that like bomb sniffing dogs and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, well, it doesn't matter from our side, from the veterinary side, but there's um, narcotic detection dogs or explosive detection dogs. There's also um, patrol dogs, which are more of the guard type. We're seeing a lot of tracking dogs be used now. So really, dogs are so incredible in what they can do. It's kind of just limited by our ability to effectively train them on it or communicate what we want to do. Um, so there's some amazing ways that we're using dogs in the military. And then we also, I didn't work with any of them, but a lot of my colleagues worked with um, some of the CAFON units, so equine. Um, we have mules that are owned by the military. So there's a lot of animal use in military, and I got, awesome. that was part of what I got to do as a vet. I always wonder about the uh, the cannabis uh, sniffing dogs, you know, the dogs that were, and, and, now it's, <laughs> and now it's legal in their state, and they're like, what was my whole life about, man? <laughs> I was sniffing that stuff out. What was I doing? I always think they have like an, ex- an existential crisis at some point where they're like, I guess I'll start sniffing out bombs or something. I'm like, yeah, do something with your life, Fido. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Kassar, my uh, I have an uncle who was uh, in the Veterinary Corps. He's a colonel in the Army, and he was over, yeah. I believe, in I- Iraq. Um, are there? What are some of the? There were. I seemed like he was doing some duties where they would extract animals out of um, uh, potential war zones or where maybe a drop zone or things like that. Um, so that there's really probably a, a whole list of things that we don't think are happening in the military uh, w- with something like the Veterinary Corps as far as bigger animals or, or maybe native animals uh, to, that, to that? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, so you're probably referencing um, more of the services that the Veterinary Corps can provide to the local community. So if there is 
need for health care of those locally owned animals. A lot of times we can come in and help with that or provide that, or if there's um, need to evacuate animals just like along with their people. So, yeah, it, it, there's a huge range of things that we can do as veterinary corps officers, and it really just depends on the unit that you're um, assigned to or what your job is. There's also a ton of research that the veterinarians do for in the Army or the Navy has some. We do um, food inspection as well, so anything that's eaten or had to drink by any of our military members is inspected by someone from the veterinary corps. So, there, yeah, there's a lot a lot of positions that veterinarians and our team fills within the military. God, that is so cool. I mean, it really is. I mean, I'm, it, it's so awesome to see uh, us put our animals to use. And, like, it, you're talking about the dogs, like how each dog can have a different job. And I love how the, the different breeds yeah. do different things. I mean, animals mm-hmm. are truly amazing. Um, but to get, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot of cannabis here, and I know you're at the cannabis conference, and we loved hearing you talk. We got to see <laughs> yeah. little little snippets of it. But why or yeah. how does the veterinary community, why, why do they need to be involved with the uh, aspects of medicinal marijuana coming to Missouri and pretty much? Uh, you know, 32 states across the old uh, the U.S. here. Yeah, well, such a such a big point of conversation right now as as states bring on different laws and there's such a, so much conversation in media and, and among pet parents. Uh, so it's it, it's a big tangled topic. So that's actually a really big question. So let me just answer one piece of it, and then I think it might lead us off in some other directions. Um, the the biggest part that veterinarians need to play right now is a harm reduction aspect. So cannabis is available in so many states, just like you mentioned. Um, but that what you're kind of talking about is just the marijuana side, so through dispensary. Hemp products, which are the less than 0.3% THC, are available in every state. So pet parents can order it online or often buy it in a retail pet store. So access to cannabis is everywhere. And cannabis has some really amazing interactions with other pharmaceuticals that we're already using or with other modalities that we're implementing. So when pet parents decide to utilize cannabis and the veterinarian doesn't know about it, there's actually some potential for negative interactions, and we definitely don't get to explore all the positive interactions that there could be. So the veterinary community has kind of been sort of behind behind the curve in getting brought into these conversations. And so right now our biggest focus is harm reduction, making sure that all pets are safe whenever we're talking about cannabis, that if a pet parent does want to explore cannabis, that we do it without harming the pet. And then we can kind of talk about all the really amazing, fun medical benefits, amazing ways that we're seeing it work in clinical applications and all of those. But first of all, just to make sure that we don't cause any harm to any of the animals that we want to use cannabis in. So piggybacking off that, a question from one of our fans, uh, what are some signs of anxiety in our pets that we might be missing? What can we look out for to, to see that maybe pets could this could benefit our, our pets' overall health? So you're asking um, how to, to recognize signs of just generalized anxiety that we might utilize cannabis for? Is that, yes. is that sort of the question? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, that's I, I love the area of anxiety because behavior is, is a, a passion of mine, but it's really an interesting subject because it's really complicated. Um, just like in people, anxiety is a huge umbrella of what might be causing it. And so let's just bring that down into the animal world. A lot of times we see anxiety be a result of pain that may not be recognized by the human members of the family. So this is a really common presentation of this is the older dog who suddenly becomes really anxious when like the younger grandkids are around or another a puppy is brought into the household but if we look deeper and really do a thorough exam sometimes we find that that older animal is actually painful and so then they're anxious because they're worried about that someone touching them too roughly or them um, getting bumped and something hurting so whenever we talk about anxiety in animals to answer that question it's actually that we really figure out what the root cause of it is. Do we have a phobia? Do we have a prior experience that makes that animal uh, worried about something that might happen? Or do we have an underlying cause of pain that if we can address that, then the animal's not anxious anymore? Do we have a scenario where the animal's actually cueing off the owner and the owner's the one who's anxious and the animal's just trying to protect their owner or pet parent? So anxiety is so much... It's so an interesting area to work in, but one of the first things is to figure out what's actually causing this. Um, but then to answer, 
actually answer your question. Big signs of anxiety are over-grooming, so some self-soothing behaviors, um, hiding, not wanting to interact. Vocalization is a really common one. Um, usually acting out, so trying to get attention from the pet parent if they, maybe they're not paying enough attention. So those would be some of the more common generic signs that we would see, and then we'd want to drill down further and see, well, what, what's causing this? What's really making the animal act out in this way? Yeah, that's what it's all about. <clears throat> I think even with people, too, it's like getting down to the root core. What the yeah. cause, what's causing all this other stuff in your life, buddy? And, and, and sometimes even in, in, in humans, when we can verbalize how you're feeling or other people can ask you questions, sometimes that's actually really hard to determine. Sometimes we don't even know why we're anxious. So when sure. we try to figure out what's going on in an animal who can't speak back to us, it really makes us. Uh, need to exercise our empathy to really try to see it from their perspective, to look at the environment in the way they might instead of from our human eyes. And sometimes just having that compassion towards the animal can help us identify what's making them anxious or what we might change to make them more comfortable. Now, now you're in a, in a full legal state. We're, we're getting there for, for medical, um, and we can yeah. talk in a minute about how maybe that pertains to our pets. Uh, what, what have you seen or have you seen a, um, a measurable difference when you're giving an animal a full-spectrum CBD and THC product. Um, does THC ha- also have its, uh, I assume it also has its medical benefits. Um, it, does it work better than, I mean, I assume every, everything's a case by case basis, but do you find that you have a little bit more success with the full spectrum medicine? Yes. Uh, yes. in basic. And then we'll kind of, let me, let me talk about a couple of points that you brought up in your question. First, let me just touch on the legal aspect of when I am working with a patient who's pet parent wants to utilize cannabis, the role that I fill is very specific. Um, Veterinarians are not allowed to prescribe cannabis, so um, my role is to provide the pet parent with education about how they might utilize a product that they obtained for their animal. So that, that line's really, we have to be really careful because we want to stay within the guidelines of the DEA. Um, So this is very much a pet parent initiated. They need to come to the veterinary team and say, I want to utilize cannabis in my animal. Help me do this safely and to the most benefit. So that's just kind of baseline to make sure everyone kind of understands the role that the vets can play in that. Um, And then whenever we are working with a particular case, it is very individualized, but we tend to see um, work with cannabis and animals very closely parallel what we're learning about in humans, that pain control, inflammation control, that THC is really, really, really good at uh, controlling inflammation and pain. So if we have a case that really needs that area handled, those are the times when the pet parent really needs to be reaching for a product that does contain some THC and be careful about how they administer it, but that we often see it be really, really effective when we use it in combination. Yeah, I mean, that's, it makes so much sense. Perfect sense. Um, Okay. Well, what's what's amazing about it is that we are able to extrapolate pretty closely from human literature. We're finding that endocannabinoid systems seem to be pretty similar among mammals, and that's really exciting because not only can we utilize what we're finding out from human research, but also as we begin research on the animal side, hopefully we can contribute back to our colleagues on the human position side and say, let's just all learn about this together. So that collaborative piece is really exciting to me. Yeah, that's huge because, you now, cannabis is a Schedule One drug. So, as far as testing in humans goes, what a it, it's a travesty. You can't get any good studies done because they're like, oh, no medicinal yeah. value. You know, that's a. Now, is this right. going is this going to help <laughs> further along the the case if more veterinarians kind of get into it and say, hey, look, we have some animal studies here. We have some anecdotal evidence. Maybe this pushes us to the next phase. Is that kind of going on? I absolutely hope so. We are running into the same thing in animal research because we are all, veterinarians are all DEA license holders just like human physicians, so we have those same restrictions on our patients as well as um, in states that have medical laws, no state has really written in the ability of veterinarians to give a medical recommendation for cannabis. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with how all that kind of works. So it does present some barriers to veterinary research. The direction that we're taking in 2019 is more an observational approach. So helping, um, so pet parents have decided I'm going to utilize this. Well, we're offering to say we're going to do some baseline exam, blood work, um, 
force plate analysis, which is telling if an animal has a lameness, some thermal imaging, all these things, just observing what happens as you put your pet on cannabis. But we should get some really good numbers out of it, some really good data. And hopefully, because we demonstrate benefit, we're going to be able to share it with our human colleagues, and then we're all going to be able to uh, hopefully get this rescheduled or at least more accessible to everybody. I'm going to kind of switch gears to, to a, a dog-specific question, or maybe not dog-specific question, sure. but one of our, one of our <laughs> uh, fans here asked, what are some ways to, uh, to quell separation anxiety? How can, how can you help with that when you're leaving for the day and your pets seem to Don't kind of leave your mind? pet at home, jerk. <laughs> you got to go to work sometime. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Problem solved. I'm the guy that's carrying a great Dane around in my purse, (laughs) around your shoulders like a snake. (laughs) So what's really interesting about separation anxiety is that often we can find the one action or the, the one period of time that the animals are triggering off of to tell them something bad is about to happen. My 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 pet parent's about to leave for the day I'm gonna and I'm gonna be alone. And a lot of times it's picking up the keys or putting it on your coat or putting it on your shoes. It it seems to often be an action that sets off this trigger in the animal's brain of, uh oh, they're about to leave and I suddenly feel really anxious and don't really know how to handle that and so then we start to see those behaviors kind of escalate and go from there. And if we can again really examine the environment be, pay close attention to what the animal's trying to signal with its body language. If we can find some of those triggers and simply avoid them, a lot of times we we can help the animal avoid falling down that panic pathway. But it means we have to watch really closely and be really in tune with the animal because as they're communicating with us, we have to be paying attention. So separation anxiety is tough because um, – it always happens at the time when you're leaving for work or, or got to run out the door and you're late and you're worried and then, you know, your, your animal starts kind of acting up or, or vocalizing or being worried. So when you're dealing with separation anxiety, not only do you need to really carefully assess the situation and the timing and possible triggers, but also work on it when you're not in a hurry. So setting up the scenario for success that on a weekend or an evening that you pretend you are leaving and try to find some of those triggers so that you don't have to go and you can come back in and settle the animal down and make sure they know that they're safe and that you aren't going to leave them. So trying to deal with it on the way out to work is not, it's not going to work. <laughs> no one's going to be happy with that outcome. So set up for success and try to implement some training can be really, really helpful in those mm. scenarios. You got to put some time into it. Like people don't understand. People want to get <laughs> yeah, cute little puppies absolutely. and they just want them to act right out of the box. They just want them acting like a good old dog, like Lassie. Tell me where Timmy is down the well. No, I, I became you can't a huge. Just wind him up and let him go. I know, exactly. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I used to watch uh, Caesar Milan all the time are you familiar yes. with any of his work uh slightly i i don't have a tv so i don't tend to oh, watch you, me. oh you're one of <laughs> okay so you're better than us we yeah, get it all right we get That's it but i do know i do know who you mean yes i am familiar with Caesar some Milan. people are doctors some people have to do radio okay <laughs> <laughs> oh no but he he was big on the the process, and if you can kind of snap the dog out of the, and he worked with dogs mainly, uh, but you snap the dog yeah. out of the process, and I remember like you know the pack leading, and and so many people came to him with the anxiety, and uh, yeah. you know just different different ailments that kind of all backed uh, backed up to possibly it being the owner, and I think that's one of the coolest yeah. things about uh, the relationship between your pets because they can kind of be a mirror for you sometimes. Um, how do you address Absolutely. it? How do you address it with patients, uh, the when uh, it's a your pet patient, their owner, or I don't know what the correct terminology. I don't want to pet parent. It. Yeah, pet parent. Um, how do you address it with them that they're they're the problem? <laughs> well, I might not say it exactly. Like Good, you got better bedside manner than I do. I'd be like, you know why your dog's freaking out, Craig? Because you're an animal. You're an animal. Okay. <laughs> But it is a really interesting question. Um, Veterinary medicine is very much about behavior watching both of the animal but also of the human and their interaction. And so sometimes there's a lot of counseling that goes on to help the, the human part of that bond understand what's happening and how they're contributing. Interestingly, a lot of times we see people 
um, calm themselves by petting their animal or talking to their animal, which can be really good. But if they don't recognize that they're sort of rewarding the what then they see as negative behavior, um, it, it's just a, it's a it's a bad cycle for everybody. So sometimes just spending time with that owner in the situation. Um, I work with a, a bunch of vets who do house call medicine, and that's really fun because we can then see some of those triggers, sit with the owner and the the animal for a while and say, let's just try this. Or do you notice how when you stand up or when when you kind of when you get upset that you you can see these signs in your animal. So sometimes it's more gently talking about that learning curve than you're the problem. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. A lot of times the the, the pet parent is the initiator um, and the the animal's just reflecting. But there's something at the root of that human's anxiety mm-hmm. as well, and we have to we have to compassionately deal with that as well. Just pointing it out isn't going to make it better, and sometimes we can actually train animals to help the human out of those anxiety episodes or those panic attacks, which, you know, in the veteran community, there's a, a huge, huge, sur- you know, service of animals that, that we, they, they give to us in controlling panic attacks or helping with PTSD. So it can work both ways. You know, we can train the animal to help calm the human down as long as we know the scenario that's going on. Yeah, and uh, Cesar Milan writes books, too. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Kassara, hey, real quick, if, if, if you're good with it, we're, uh, we're up against a small little break. You mind hanging around for a couple of minutes? We've got a few more questions sure, for you on the absolutely. other side of the break. All right, guys, that was Kassara Andre. She's going to join us on the other side of the break. This is Hoosier Sophisticate on WGNU920AM.com. We will see you in a couple of minutes author of They Fought for Each Other and co-author of Fight Like a Girl, The Truth Behind How Female Marines Are Trained, Kelly Kennedy. 2007, I embedded with Charlie Company. They were in Adamia, Iraq. They were getting shot at every day. They're kind of used to us being around and have uh, expectations that we're going to be able to handle it. They're in the thick of it. You're in the thick of it. Out on patrol and getting shot at. If you happen to be with them, then you're getting shot at, too. Who's your sophisticate? Fridays from 6 to 8 p.m. Here on WGNU. Hi, I'm Blake with Missouri Medical Cannabis Company. We provide high-quality hemp oil with CBD. Cannabidiol is changing people's lives every single day. If you're looking for premium-quality CBD, check us out at MoMedCanCo.com. Try out our 250-milligram blended bottles from just 22 bucks, or the 500 milligrams from 40, or even the 1,000 from just 49.99. If you don't like the taste of oil, try our capsules. Get 30 60 milligram capsules for only 60 bucks. You need something for your pet? Check out our line of pet products online now at momedcanco.com. And as always, we have free shipping to all 50 states. So go now to momedcanco.com. Have you ever been pressed for time? Rushing to get to that very important meeting with the big guys or trying to beat that grace period at work and finding somewhere to park is nearly impossible? You finally find a parking spot in front of the parking meter and you realize that you didn't bring any change. You happen to look over and see a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk. And for a half second, we immediately assume that the homeless person wants something from us. We snap back to reality as we check all our pockets for change because we don't want to get a parking ticket. Coincidentally, we look over and see the homeless man handing us the exact change we need for the parking meter. My new album, You From The Inside Out, was created to encourage listeners to not judge a book by its cover because sometimes it's the person that we least expect that will be the one that gives us exactly what we need when we need it. View from the Inside Out drops March 19 everywhere. And remember, integrity matters the most when you're by yourself. Thanks for listening. This is Integrity. Follow me everywhere at Integrity Music. Hey, it's your pal Stephen George Elgin. Many of you saw me get my bum tattooed on live video with our friends at Tower Classic Tattooing in the Grove. What? Obviously, many people trust my opinion, so I'm going to talk to you about my top three reasons why I regularly visit Parlor STL, and Seth is going to translate it for all you punk rock skater kids. First of all, the cocktail menu is better than any you will find anywhere in the city. Say words, son. They mix it up tight if you want to get that sip on. The Nug Shack serves up some of the best farm-fresh fried chicken you'll ever eat. Cluckety cluck, they got that sicky fresh chicken for your face. 
The place is packed full of old school arcade games. Plus pinball and even skee-ball. They got games today, son. Ask your mom about them. That's Parlor, located at 4170 Manchester. Check them out at ParlorSTL.com. And speaking of tattoos, you got the itch to get inked? Visit Tower Classic Tattooing about 100 feet east of Parlor. View their artist profiles at TowerClassic.com. I ain't got no job. Have you ever been pressed for time, rushing to get to that very important meeting with the big guys, or trying to beat that grace period at work, and finding somewhere to park is nearly impossible? You finally find a parking spot in front of the parking meter, and you realize that you didn't bring any change. You happen to look over and see a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk, and for a half second, we immediately assume that the homeless person wants something from us. We snap back to reality as we check all our pockets for change because we don't want to get a parking ticket. Coincidentally, we look over and see the homeless man handing us the exact change we need for the parking meter. My new album, View From The Inside Out, was created to encourage listeners to not judge a book by its cover because sometimes it's the person that we least expect that will be the one that gives us exactly what we need when we need it. View from the Inside Out drops March 19 everywhere. And remember, integrity matters the most when you're by yourself. Thanks for listening. This is Integrity. Follow me everywhere at Integrity Music. Hey, Hoosiers. Greg Kohler here. With home buying season heating up, be sure to get a quote from a top agency and provider of the number one home insurer in North America. They offer coverage that's second to none. In fact, if your AC goes out, they offer a new endorsement where you can get a replacement from a local HVAC company. Give them a call, 314-961-4800. If you get a machine and you don't talk to a person, we'll give you one of these fine Hoosier sophisticated tees. Just takes one phone call or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. People do business with James because they like and trust him. Just check him out on Google and Facebook. If your insurance is costing you a leg and an arm, then call James Carlton State Farm. Roof, roof. You know what that sound is. That's Rufus the Roofing Dog from Lifetime Roofing and Renovation. They're former insurance adjusters. They will fly a drone over your house to check to see if you've had any hail damage. Heck, they'll get up there and tell you themselves. They have an office in Webster Groves, and they're looking to help you out. Lifetime Roofing and Renovation, 314-800-0426. Give them a call. Find them online at lifetimestl.com. This is St. Louis Baseball Weekly. You said everything will be all well in a few days. What level of concern should Cardinal fans have regarding your elbow? I mean, if you're concerned whether I make 30 or 31 starts, then be very concerned. If you're concerned whether I'm going to make 30 or 10, then not. St. Louis Baseball Weekly with Brian Stoll. Every Friday at noon, right here on WGNU, 920 a.m. gentlemen to Hoosier Sophisticate here on WGNU 920 AM. Steve, that's your pick bringing us back. A little bit of hot. Hot 16 millimeter. 16 millimeter summer day. Oh. It's a great little tune. Joining us on the Parlor STL and Tower Classic Tattooing phone lines, we still have veterinarian Dr. Kasara Andre. Kasara, we were uh, talking all things medical cannabis uh, with, with our pets, with our animals. Um, had a few questions come through on the line. Also, Charlie from the conference wanted to let you know that Lily's been doing really great since uh, she started her daily dose that you, that you talked. After hearing you oh, talk, good. you started giving a daily dose, and it's really been helping her out a lot. Um, one of the One of our listeners has a neighbor whose dog, the second it comes outside, it just barks nonstop. They raise the dog as a pup. And, you know, they held it all the time. Well, it's a lab now. They can't hold it anymore. And whenever that dog goes outside, <laughs> it is just barking nonstop. What is that anxiety? What, what is there? Is there something that they can do to, to help relieve that? Yeah, move. Yeah, so, so, it, it, so it's, compl- it's complicated. 
hesitate to say too much about that without knowing more about sure. the animal. I will yeah, just generalize that, that whole situation. One of the things to think about is what the bigger environment is. So the first thing that jumps to mind is thinking about fence aggression or territory aggression. So if they happen to live on a corner or near a busy street or if it's perhaps the time of day that the animal always comes outside, maybe when kids are coming home from school, thinking about, so think about the environment of who, why is the dog barking? Who is it trying to protect? What is it trying to alert its family to? And if you pay enough attention to that, you're going to be able to do a better job of finding out what the root cause is. And then you can actually get to work on fixing it and helping the dog be less anxious. But most animals don't just bark for no reason. They're trying to communicate something to us, and we just have to be smart enough to figure it out or pay with, listen with enough attention that we can actually figure out what they're trying to tell us. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. That's how you got to do it. The, the dogs will, will tell you, like, for real. Like, if you're, in tune, language. if you're in tune with your animals, like, it's a whole deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, how, how hard is it with the dosing um, as far as, like, uh, when, I went, when we went to Colorado with the veterans um, uh-huh. last year, we took a trip out there to the ICR. And it was, uh, I had never really thought about it, but a couple of the veterans addressed that the, the dosaging was Real wonky, even in Colorado, where they can test it once and they can kind of yeah. say that's the dosing. And, you know, a chocolate bar can have uh, all the THC in one side of the uh, chocolate bar and then nothing in the other yeah. side. So the <laughs> dosing's kind of all over the place. Now, with your uh, the studies and what you, you guys are doing, uh, how do you get, like, the dosing? And how, how are you finding that, like, micro-dosing might work for dogs or just slightly supplementing the endocannabinoid system? How does all that process even work for you guys right now? It's such a great question, and it's actually one that we struggle with a lot because oftentimes our pet parents are using things that have been formulated for humans. So your reference of a cookie or an edible is really great because a lot of times that's what people will try to give their animals first, and the concern is if you break it in half, well, which side is the cannabis on? You know, Is it going to be a big dose or a little dose? So it's really tough to work with formulations like that. So if I'm working with a pet parent and kind of giving them some advice, I like to see them work with the tinctures in terms of products because it really lets us have a consistent product that we can scale up in dose. And so it lets me help help them find a dose that's appropriate without um, tipping into the too much intoxication side of it. So I like working with the tinctures more than anything else. And then that lets us go from microdose to a heftier dose and just creep up slowly. The phrase of start low, go slow for humans. I'm sure you all have heard that. Sure. It works just the same for animals. Start we high, go start high. Really That's my motto, lady. <laughs> <laughs> we really want to see how they're going to respond because every animal is going to be different. And whatever condition we're working on also might affect the response of the endocannabinoid system. So no matter what dose we think they might need to get to based on their body weight, we'll still start them out at a couple of drops, at um, half of the dropper, and then work them up gradually. I have a 190-pound um, Great Dane that I'm working with right now, but we still started him at a fourth a mil whenever we first started dosing, just because we want to be super safe, and they don't get to tell us whether they want to take cannabis or not or how they're feeling, so it's our job to make sure that they're protected in that experience and don't experience that anxiety or the intoxication. So, can so that's you, how we handle it. That's, I think that's, I mean, that's the only way to do it, right? Yeah. Every, every animal's different. You have to mm-hmm. start at a, at a small amount and, and work it up. Do you find that uh, there's a, a difference, it, it, albeit maybe negligible, between giving them that tincture directly or putting it on top of their food? Is there a way that you prefer to do that? Is there yeah, a way that they're more receptive to it? It's a great it? question. Um, So we see from human side that there is absolutely a difference in how it's absorbed. So through mucous membranes, that's if you put it under your tongue or just let it absorb through the vessels in in your mouth versus swallowing it. So that's an actual oral absorption is going to take a little bit longer. We do see some of those differences in animals, but I'll tell you, we don't tend to worry about it as much. Um, If the animal hates the taste, I'll have the the pet parent hide it in a piece of bread or treat or or cover it up and just give it to the animal that way. So in veterinary medicine, we're more focused on low stress than the actual route of administration. I think as we move forward in this field, we are going to be able to utilize the different routes of administration and absorption 
better for different conditions, but at this point, we're really just trying to make sure the animal isn't stressed when they receive receive that dose. But in the future, um, I think we'll really see mucous membranes, so or like in the in the vessels of the mouth absorption, work really well if we want to stop pain suddenly or maybe get additional seizure control or a faster faster onset of that cannabis working or a slower onset, so we're going to give it in a pill and have it be absorbed through the GI tract. So we see the same things that we do in people in terms of how it's absorbed, but we aren't really at the point in time where we can utilize them as much as we can in people. We're talking to Dr. Kassara Andre here. You can check her out at www.veterinarycannabis.org. Um, I was wondering kind of how this journey all kind of started for you. And in the that's kind of the first part, you know, because we've been talking to many doctors who are like, we they didn't teach us the endocannabinoid system. Like they kind of left that part yeah. out of the system. I was, I was in school for a long time. I know that. And I think I was absent on that day or something happened. I don't know what happened. And is it, uh, you know, now that you are in it, are other veterinarians kind of like, look at that stoner veterinarian over there. <laughs> Have you met any resistance like that? So how'd you get into it? And have you met any kind of resistance to it? Yeah, well, so the first part of that is um, we got into this out of necessity. It wasn't really planned or even a direction we were thinking about heading. What we actually do is run a co-working community for um, veterinary professionals in the Denver area. So there's a big community of mobile acupuncturists, house call-based, uh, rehabists, GPs who will come to your house and see your animal um, a, a big community like that in Denver. So we actually act as their office admin. We do their inventory and bookkeeping, all of that. That's that's our main job. That's what we actually do. But it meant that the patients that our community was dealing with tended to be housebound. They tended to be older patients or had just had a surgery or hospice patients, palliative care patients. And so we found that the pet parent community was saying, we want to use cannabis. Tell us about cannabis. We think this might help. Please help us figure this out. So a huge push from the the pet parents of, please, somebody give us information. And then we as veterinarians didn't really feel like we could, we're doing a good job of answering their questions or helping them explore the cannabis world like they wanted to. So since we um, kind of see and hear all those requests from the vets that we're working with, um, we just made a decision as a community, to, so we got to figure this out together. So we held our first symposium last year, and then we held our second symposium this year, which had doubled, almost tripled in size, um, just in terms of interest. So even it, cannabis is actually the biggest part of how I spend my day answering questions or teaching classes or doing research and, and pieces like that. But it wasn't supposed to be. It's just there's so little information that, it, and it desperately needs to be addressed that we just feel like it's um, really important and we have an ethical obligation to, to make sure that good information, good scientific information is out there. So that's the, that's the answer to the first part of your question. <laughs> On the second side, um, I would definitely say that the feeling from the veterinary community has changed from last year to this year. I would say that last year it was, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll explore that when I have more time. But now we're seeing so many pet parents desperate for information, really wanting guidance, or pets being exposed to cannabis in an unsafe way, that now we feel the veterinary community is really reaching out actively for that information, asking us to teach classes, wanting us to do consultations. So in in Colorado, I wouldn't say that there's a a really negative feeling about it, but more uh, increase of interest or uh, the veterinary community actively reaching out to get information versus us um, approaching them and offering it, if, if that makes sense, kind of a different approach there. Oh, sure. I had a, a golden retriever who was a star athlete, had the world by the by the tail, and then he got into cannabis, and that dog never, never the same. Is this the plot to air, bud? <laughs> yeah, this is the newest air, This bud. is the plot to air, bud, isn't it? Kassara, before uh, I want to talk uh, here in just a couple minutes uh, about, you know, the important next steps we got, the plans for research going forward. But I want to get weird Mm -hmm. with you for a second and feel free not to answer (laughs) any of this. But uh, the most important thing I've ever done in my life was take psychedelics with intention. And you talked about ethics. And I Mm -hmm. wonder, um, I've seen videos of animals in the wild, whether it's a jaguar chewing on a root or bears eating Mm -hmm. Amnita muscaria uh, mushrooms. 
I, I believe that it's a natural thing for uh, animals to to seek out these different psychedelic substances. Where I think it's kind of weird is we know them to be these uh, consciousness changing uh, medicines, mm-hmm. if you will. And I wonder if there's yeah. not a, a place for that in veterinary medicine in the future. Is that going to be a step in you know coming up in the future where you're going to be looking at okay, cannabis is definitely helping supplant you know uh, uh, these different uh, ailments, but you know, maybe some of these anxieties can be quelled with, with different psychedelic research. Is that something that veterinarians, uh, even maybe a small contingent of them, are looking to towards in the future? Well, I'll, I'll just answer that from a very personal perspective um, in that we see, just like we've talked a lot today about anxiety, different types of anxiety or different presentations of it, I think that we're going to see that um, flesh out more in cannabis research, but we are seeing some amazing things with psychedelic um, research in humans, so particularly um, MAPS and their MDMA research and PTSD. Like, I'm, I'm just so impressed with that organization, and yep. I think the world is about to just receive such a, an amazing avenue for healing when some of these studies come through and, and MDMA is available especially for, for all kinds of anxiety, but particularly PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so I, I watch that happening really closely on the human side. And then from my experience in the military, I know and have worked with canine PTSD. So, you know, there's some question about whether we should call it exactly the same thing, but at its base, we see the same signs. We see an animal go through a scary situation, whether that be actual combat or simply abuse or being in a, in a shelter environment where they were scared or emotional trauma. We see them demonstrate um, after stress trauma. So whether we call it the same thing or not, we see their emotions um, tangled and anxiety from that. And so I have a really strong interest in can we take what the research on the human side is doing, just like in cannabis world, it doesn't really matter what the substance is, but we're seeing great benefit and amazing results with MDMA in PTSD in humans. And I would really like to explore, can can we bring some of those benefits to the animal kingdom? And again, just like we mentioned earlier, then share those results back to the human side once we have researched in animals. Because we don't, in animal research, we don't worry about that addictive component. We don't worry about that abuse component. And so we can research some of these substances without worrying about that piece of it, but yet learn a lot about how animals' um, neurology works and cognition um, works. And then can we fix, can we alleviate, can we prevent some of these anxiety disorders in our animals that we love so much, but then also maybe give some help and healing to humans who are dealing with similar um, cases or scenarios or, or, or traumas. So hopefully that, that answers your question. But I, I think that we are about to come into just some am- amazing years in science as some of these avenues open up to us. And I'm excited to be a part of that on the veterinary side because there's some really cool research that we can do in those areas. Absolutely. No, that's so cool because we, we oftentimes talk about, you know, cannabis can sometimes, you know, it's definitely a medicine, but as far as some of the psychological things, it can almost be a Band-Aid or, or it allows you to work with your problems to where if you get on a psychedelic medicine and you go through the whole experience with intention, with preferably a shaman who's been doing it for a long time, like you see some phenomenal results. We've been, we're going to get uh, to, from shock to awe. It's a documentary out in a day. Take a couple <laughs> veterans out there and it changes lives. I mean, it is unbelievable. And there's something to be said for, you know, to to build on that, Steve. I I feel as though cannabis may have uh, a ton more uh, physical benefits uh, for humans, but there's definitely a a spiritual slash mental healing that that takes place under psychedelics that I wonder how you actually would measure something like that in animals when they can't. I mean, we have a hard enough time trying to put into words what that experience is. That's actually like the definition of the psychedelic. Yeah, how does consent work with animals? <laughs> as far as psychedelics well, go. <laughs> well, so, people put them so that's to sleep. A really, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a really important question and something that um, you know veterinary ethics deals a lot with. What we, how we handle that now is the is is the pet parents that they are essentially agreeing for the animal um, along the lines of pediatric medicine on the human side. If you have. Uh, a being, a mammal who can't speak for itself, so their caregiver is 
is charged with responsibility of making sure that their well-being is protected. And then as a veterinarian, just like a, a human doctor, part of my oath as a veterinarian is to protect the well-being of that animal, to make sure that we, yes, pursue the good of humanity and the good of medicine and the good of science, but that no individual animal is compromised because of that. And that's sometimes a hard line to walk, but um, it's, it's necessary. And I think as we call ourselves good researchers, good scientists, good medicine providers, we have to do a balancing act between, between all of those all the time. So, yeah, that maybe was an offhanded comment about <laughs> consent, but I think it's a really important question. It's something we need to think about very, very seriously, especially sure. as we want to do some of this research. Okay. Uh, we're we're going to be running up against it here pretty soon. We want to talk to you about what are the next important steps? Uh, what are your plans for research going forward? We can't uh, thank you enough for coming on here. You were captivating at the conference. We appreciate you traveling out to Missouri to educate so many of us and uh, for joining us on the show here. But, but what's the next steps and how do we uh, help spread the word for you? Well, first of all, just thank you so much for having me. I, y'all are very fun to talk to. You. No matter no matter what you say, I've loved talking Stop to you guys. It. Stop and it I love right talking now. about I love talking about cannabis because I think it's really important in how we move forward in science and learning about the endocannabinoid system. So I would just emphasize that this is a a pet parent initiated um, subject that they need to be talking to their veterinarians about their interest in it. Can you help me? Can you answer? And that's what's going to stir up the research potential within the veterinary community when we know that we need to have answers for this. So um, we are going to be launching, launching some research studies in 2019, and we will be looking for participants, so for pet parents to say, I want to research this in my animal. I think this might help. Um, so people can sign up on our website for our newsletter, and that's how we're going to let people know when those studies are up and running. And that's really the biggest thing that the community can do to support us moving forward in this is saying we believe in it, and we, we will kind of stand behind you and help us find those um, case studies, those, those patients for our research. That's wonderful. So they can go to uh, veteri- vet- veterinarycannabis.org. Is that where they can go? <laughs> yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yes. You can subscribe <laughs> to the newsletter. It. I've got one more question I probably should ask it before I had you wrap yeah. everything up because we talked a lot about pets. What about livestock? Um, you know, I, is there something to be said for back in the day, we, our, our cows, our cattle used to eat hemp. And, um, you know, they said that that was a sufficient source for CBD back in the day, and that's why a lot of our lazy livestock back then <laughs> fell off. Is there, is there something <laughs> – would you think uh, – and I, I, that, it's probably a loaded question, but is there benefits to possibly as this becomes more and more um, legal across states with hemp and everything that, that our, feeding our livestock could with, with hemp would be a, a good thing for animals in the future? Yeah, well, that is a pretty loaded question, so I'll answer it in, in brief. In, you got 12 seconds. Important piece to <laughs> <laughs> Just it's kidding. important to remember that, that they're food animals, so concerns about introduction of anything into the human food chain is really important. That's why we do lots of research on antibiotic withdrawal, like how soon you can take an animal to slaughter after they've been treated with a medication, because we want to be really careful that then humans are not... Um, introduced to that drug just because it was in the meat itself. So that's that's some of the barriers, some of the things we need to think about in using it for livestock when you say that you're probably meaning like a cow or a pig or a food animal type. But I will say that I have a lot of colleagues who are working with um, hemp products in horses and seeing some amazing results. So in terms of mammal, like use for the animals itself, I think it definitely has great benefit and great ways we can use it but we need to think about bigger bigger scale bigger term um what are those animals used for what's their purpose um what's the consequence of giving them um a cannabis product so there's just lots of questions in there but so fruitful for us to look into because it's it's an amazing it's the endocannabinoid system is amazing and the fact that we can manipulate it with cannabis just has some amazing future potential for us Oh, sure. No, I remember uh, they said uh, Secretariat was just mowing that hemp right before. <laughs> so it made him. What Performance made, enhancing him. Made him the steed he was. Whatever. It's like Michael Phelps, baby. Like, come on. Kasara, thank you so much for joining us. You've been terrific. You've answered all of our questions, You're and I'm so sure welcome. we're going to have a bunch more to fire your way. We hope to have you on the show in the future. Anytime you want to join or if there's anything that's breaking news in the veterinary world, yeah. uh, we want to hear about it. Please uh, don't be a stranger to us. Thanks again so much for reaching out. And, um, Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. You guys. It was awesome. Thank Take you. Take care.
Wow. She's the best, man. Man, I nailed that thing. Whoa. You were subpar. I was, I, no, I was no good there. <laughs> I was no good there. Steve carried that whole interview. Here's the deal. Blake just Here's, came in. He Here's did with some NeuroPro Pet. Uh, you guys are looking for some CBD. We're going to come up with a way to give it away to you. You do with the contest or maybe the best burn on Blake. Oh, the maybe best that's burn on Blake. Is, uh, we'll give one of them away for the best there's burn. There's still some time to burn Blake as good as you can. Uh, we're going to jump to break. On the other side, Seth's got a little game for us. It's going to get muy caliente. Muy caliente. This is Hoosier <laughs> Sophisticate on WGNU Nueve Viente AM.com. What are you doing? Spanish. <laughs> 